Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 37. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the third book, upcoming, Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, and it's a pleasure to have the man on the line. And he's not only on the line, but he's uh, he's out down along the not the Wichita line, but on down on the on the the, the, the prairie line. He's down there where, where the where the the what's it the, the the barbed wire keeps the cattle from roaming too far. He's in Texas, my friends. Would you give a nice big welcome to the star of our show and Chief Buckaroo Number One, Mr. Gary Renard? Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't hey. stand up, please. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? Very, very good. And uh, I'm yeah. uh, lost in Austin. <laughs> lost in Austin. I got to tell folks, hey, my buddy. Wait a minute. I got to stop the music. All right. All right. All right. Stop the music because it's much more important to say, he's down in the heart of Texas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, Austin is actually the capital of Texas, but it's not really like the rest of Texas. Yeah, you've uh, said that before. You, you really like Austin. Yeah. You've been there before, right? Yeah, their motto is uh, "Keep Austin Weird." <laughs> you know? Do they succeed? Uh, yeah, in fact, there's a bookstore here called Book People. And I remember when uh, Disappearance first came out, which was uh, actually this week makes uh, seven years. Yeah, since Disappearance first came out, and uh, we, you know, Patrick, the original publisher, and I, we would do anything to get free publicity or try to get a bookstore to sell a book. Right. And uh, and I knew that their uh, motto was Keep Austin Weird, so I wrote to this bookstore, book people, and I said, look, you got to sell this book. It's really weird. <laughs> right? And sure enough, they did. That was the key word. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Austin's great. In fact, uh, this is the seventh year in a row that I've been here. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's at a place called The Crossings, but uh, this year and a couple of other years it's been at uh, Unity of the Hills, which is a great church here, a great Unity church. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen Mary Bowen, friends of mine who were uh, ministers at a Unity church in Georgia, they moved over here to Austin, Texas, so it was perfect. In fact, uh, I'll see them tonight uh, for dinner. We're celebrating my birthday tonight. Oh, you know, know I forgot. Yeah, because it's, it's not today, but it's coming up in a few days. Uh, actually, it's tomorrow, yeah. Ah, um, yeah. But, uh, as we were, as we record this, we always have to tell people as we, all right, we're recording this on Friday, March fifth, and it will be released a few days later. But yeah, you'll, your birthday will be the next day after we record. Yeah, happy birthday, buddy! I, I should have remembered that offhand, but I just did not until you reminded me. Yo, thank you. It's okay. Uh, you know, I'm a classic Pisces here, so ah. And now uh, you, now you're older than me again, which I like because after my birthday in January, we were we were the same age, but now you're older again, so I feel better somehow. <laughs> That's right, but uh, Cindy's here, and she keeps me feeling young. Ah. And uh, since uh, I last spoke with you, uh, Cindy and I have actually done some music in our workshops. We uh, did a little tour of uh, Mexico, which mm-hmm. went really great. We were in Mexico City. These cities are huge down there. Like, Mexico City has 23 million people. I know, it's huge. It's a massive, massive city, yeah. And uh, we went to Guadalajara, and I had no idea that Guadalajara had 10 million people. But it does. I mean, it's bigger than any city in America. Wow. And it's just incredible. And, and uh, we also went to a beautiful little place called San Miguel. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Actually, San Miguel de Allende or something like that, but uh, everyone calls it uh, San Miguel, and it's just a beautiful spot. So that was a great tour, and we started singing. I play the guitar, and Cindy sings, and uh, we do harmony on, well, one song so far, but we're going to be doing more. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's going pretty well. We also went to the Florida Keys, of course, Key Largo. Yeah, and sadly, we weren't able to come down and join you. Just by timing stuff, we, we couldn't get away. It's, it's you know, we live in South Florida, as people know, but we're not, like, right at the Keys. It would have been a couple hours back and forth, and we just weren't able to make the time, even though you were so close by. So, yeah, you were in Key Largo, and you stayed in Isla Morada. Did you, did you re- I know you were discussed maybe heading down to Key West, although if people check it on a map, it's a long way down to Key West. Through the, It's a beautiful yeah, ride. Yeah, we didn't have... Uh, we didn't have time for Key West yeah. this time, but I definitely want to take Cindy there sometimes. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe the four of us can get together. Oh yeah, at, uh, Key West sometime. We could sing my but song "Keys in the Keys." Key we stayed at uh, we stayed at Isla Morada, mm-hmm. which uh, you had told me was a really cool place, kind of like the quintessential part of the uh, Florida Keys, which is true. Uh, it was a really great place, and uh, we liked it a lot. Uh, the people there say that it's uh, a nice little drinking town with a fishing problem. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Is that, that's, that's what a lot of people do. Uh, like they fish and they drink. And <laughs> often, often simultaneously. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I finally understood what uh, you know Jeff Foxworthy meant when he, he did that thing, you know, he might be a redneck if. And uh, one of the things he says is, if you've ever been too drunk to fish, <laughs> you well, might be a redneck. It does involve, you know, hooks and needles and sharp things, so it's really not good if you're too far gone, you know. It's good, not good for the fish or you. So, yeah, and, right. and people may not realize that the Key West really is an entirely di- it's like a different country. It really is, uh, but it's very different from the rest of the Keys uh, that are very old Florida in many ways. They're they're that you know when you picture some sleepy little beach waterfront with uh, maybe a tiki bar and a fishing hut and a little marina and boats going. That's that's what much of the middle and upper Keys are like. Uh, but then you have some nice resorts and other places up there too. Beautiful water all around. Great food. Great restaurants restaurants and lots of tiki bars and waterfront places to have a few beverages so uh yeah it, it's really a neat neat environment well we uh stayed at a great place called the chesapeake mm-hmm. beach resort and it was really uh really lovely restaurants are great uh people are great they have a beautiful attitude they don't really consider themselves to be a part of the united states they <laughs> uh, they call themselves the clonk republic as you know <laughs> and uh Oh, we were saying earlier, one of the cool things about them is uh, back in the 1970s, they actually seceded from the United States. They were one of the original secession, well, not original, but one of the modern-day original secessionist movements. Tongue-in-cheek, but they actually had a lot of serious points, and they, they declared it a separate country and uh, seceded. Right. They uh, actually uh, seceded from the Union, uh-huh. and then they uh, declared war on the United States, <laughs> and uh, then they surrendered, <laughs> and then they asked for foreign aid. <laughs> Uh, that was really good. That's a good plan. Yeah, everybody should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> I, I think all 50 of the United States should succeed. <laughs> that would be the answer, wouldn't it? That would, that would be a... <laughs> ah, so the keys... Tra- I haven't... Yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta uh, share... They would, them. Limit, they would tell a limit the amount of tax money going into the... Uh, Government. It might be the ultimate tax reform, you know, which yeah. uh, which is healthy. I mean, this type of thing is uh, obviously money is needed to keep the government working, keep the country afoot. But but it's always good to have that freshly examined at all times. You know, the uh, 
<laughs> the tree of liberty is watered with fresh dollars. Or, no, I'm, I'm misquoting that. But anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, really. but, so, uh, so, yeah, you've been traveling. Was, now, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit. I, well, you touched on base about Texas, but, uh, yeah, you had been there before. And I remember that uh, you had said about how, how long ago. And now, when was the last time you were there? Because we've had a few people on some of our conference calls, which we have another call coming up very quickly, which we'll tell you about during this program. Uh, but some, one of our callers, I don't know if it was Carol... Was it he that called? Anyway, someone was from that area, from Austin, Texas area. So I know you're you're very beloved in that zone. Actually, I've been here uh, since I started traveling. I've been here every year. This is like my uh, seventh year mm. in a row here. And uh, sometimes it's been at another place, but this year it's at uh, Unity of the Hills, mm-hmm. which is a great Unity church here. And uh, I actually know the ministry of Steve and Mary Bowen because they used to be ministers at another Unity Church right. that I used to do workshops at in Georgia. Right, we touched on that before, yeah. So now they've moved out yeah. there. Uh, is this a larger congregation for them? Has it been an expansion in that sense, or, or just moved there? Yeah, it has, and actually they've uh, expanded it more. In fact, they have four different uh, A Course in Miracles meetings here ah. at the church during the week. And... Uh, once a month, they have a special Wednesday night, of course, a miracle service at the church. So it's a great place for people in uh, central Texas to come who are into a course of miracles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll do a workshop all day tomorrow, uh, and then I'll speak at both church services on Sunday. So uh, it'll be a busy weekend, but I'll get to meet a lot of, uh, a lot of people, and of course, a lot of repeats, because I get people every year when I come here. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. come to see me, but uh, I haven't been at the church for, I think, in about three years. So, uh, And the other times I've come, usually spent crossings, which is also in Austin. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like the church because uh, people can come for an all-day workshop, and it doesn't cost them as much as it does uh, to go to the crossings. So uh, it's better off for people, you know, because they can get just as much information to them to spend as much money. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, that's very yeah. nice. And it's nice that that, because not all unities uh, are, are necessarily as forward about their, their promotion and, and working with a course, with the Course of Miracles, uh, but many are, and apparently this one really is, so that, that's good for course people, certainly. But uh, unities are nice in general, of course, but uh, it's nice they when... They are, when... Uh, and it depends very much on who the ministers are mm-hmm. as to what uh, what direction the Church goes in. Uh, Unity Church gives a lot of leeway to its ministers. Mm-hmm. And I'd say at least half of them are... Uh, friendly to A Course in Miracles. There was a time when the Unity Church actually tried to ban A Course in Miracles. Oh, no kidding. Uh, and this was at their uh, central place at Unity Village, and uh, there was a backlash against it. Uh, so many people just complained about that and said, no, the Course is a really cool thing. And they actually reversed their decision. So uh, today you have maybe half the churches where minister is friendly to the course, and you'll have Course of Miracles meetings, and how big it gets just depends on uh, the people in the area. Mm-hmm. But at this place, in, in Austin, uh, the course is very big. It's probably uh, you know, the most important thing uh, for them. Yeah, cool. 
Well, that's really nice. Um, we wanted to talk about a couple of upcoming things. Uh, and I know in every episode here, we at least make a mention of the cruise uh, that's coming up in uh, next month at this point, because it'll be in April here of 2010. Uh, once again, so folks will know, what I'll do is at the uh, at the end of the podcast, rather than spend the time while we have Gary on the line here, because his time is limited, busy, famous guy. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll come back on at the end after he and I wrap up with, with him, and then I'll give all the details about uh, websites and email addresses. And, and different things like that. So that'll come later. Uh, but just to mention that, yeah, the cruise is still coming up uh, next month, and that'll be to Mexico. You'll be returning to Mexico if the if the federales aren't still looking for you. you know, maybe in those coastal towns you can hide out on the cruise ship or something, but that should be fun. Yeah, we were in uh, central Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, I was amazed at how high up it is. I didn't know that Mexico City is like 7,200 feet up. Wow, over a mile high. And... Uh, you know, so that was a surprise to me. And we were, like, right in the middle, right in the heart of uh, Mexico. We went to the pyramids, which are about an hour outside Mexico City, which is astonishing. I had no idea what they were like. Uh, the Sun Pyramid in Mexico actually has more mass, more volume to it than the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, it's really something to see. And uh, But the crews were going to the coast. We'll be uh, on the uh, west coast, of course. Uh, Cabo San Lucas, uh, Puerto Vallarta, mm-hmm. uh, places like that. Uh, how do you pronounce that other place? I keep forgetting. Uh, Mazatlan. Mazatlan, yes. Yeah. It's supposed to be beautiful. And uh, these are beautiful places. The weather will be great that time of year. Uh, it's going to be a really fun cruise. And we got a good crowd coming. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And you get to meet people who are into the course from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of fun. And, of course, with you as Master of Ceremonies, there's never a dull moment. That's right. We'll be bringing that Mexican theme. Yeah. And Cindy and I will do a little music. And, uh, Are you bringing your own guitar with you now when you travel, or, or do you just get... Yeah. Some, get yeah, I actually carry a guitar with me now. Uh-huh. I bought one of those uh, Tim Armstrong Fender guitars that you told me about. Oh, cool. How is it? It's good. It's a good guitar. Mm-hmm. And very nice. And... Uh, it's only about a three hundred dollar guitar, I and mean, you can't do any better for that price. No, no. And I figured, you know, carrying a guitar around airports and you know having him check his luggage, I'd want to spend a thousand bucks on a guitar because you know you never know if it's going to arrive at its destination. Right, <laughs> right. No, it makes but, sense. And, uh, and you know, as we've talked about just briefly, when, when you and I were kids and growing up as young guys, you you couldn't get a good quality cheap guitar in those days. You had to buy a Guild or a Gibson or a Fender, you know, something a, a good quality guitar, which cost you know relatively a lot of money back then. If you bought a cheap guitar, they played bad and they sounded bad and they were just difficult. And it you know it was a big difference. Nowadays, though, I guess modern manufacturing technology, there's a lot of uh, very inexpensive guitars that are quite good. They play well, sound good. So yeah, as you say, you don't want to travel with a, a vintage high-priced instrument because anything can happen especially in airline travel you know so yeah this guitar is uh, a good quality guitar it even has a built-in tuner mm-hmm. so uh, and it's a, an acoustic electric right so it's an acoustic guitar but you could plug it into a system if you need to uh, as far as I know, you can't plug it in. Oh, okay. System, unless I'm missing something here. I can't find it. Well, maybe it does. If it has a, t- a tuner, though, maybe. Well, we'd see. Now, I'll look it over when we... Are you going to bring that on the cruise? Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. Cool. Hey, we can strum a few tunes. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of... Uh, uh, maybe, maybe we'll chalk you into uh, playing a Song or two uh, maybe, maybe we can do uh, maybe we can do our version of "Ease in the Keys" while we're even though we're not in the keys, we'll be in the ease in ease in the Mexico Keys. All right. 
That'd be great. I can turn it around. Um, and we have our other song, Pilgrim on the Path, and we could do Bandito on the Path or something. You know, we don't need no stinking ego. Don't get me started. You know, we were looking at different ways to get you and Helen to the cruise. Of course, you know, I think we're going to uh, fly you, but uh, at one point we were considering uh, having a mule show up at your house. <laughs> and we were thinking that you could wear your bandito hat. <laughs> Strap you the know, guitar on the... Travel by mule promoting the cruise across the country. <laughs> that would make good sense, yeah. We could kind of go up through the Florida panhandle and then go out through through New Orleans and, and through Texas and head on out towards California to pick up that, that darn cruise ship. Yeah, that'd be funny. It'd be a long trip. I think we would have had to leave like back around September to make it on the mule, but uh, it's a very quick mule. Oh. Okay, I know it's Mexico. You drive along the roads, and all of a sudden, on the side of the road, you see a mule, and you don't see that too much. You know? Yeah, right. although it may not have been a mule, it may have been a burro. Oh, I, that could be a bu- really burro. So, uh, yes, a, a Mexican mule. Well, uh, the other thing we did want to mention was real quickly about the uh, the conference call. Um, and boy, great responses on this. You know, we're getting nice crowds of people, many of them coming back. A number of people have said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there for every call because I just love being on the line with you guys, getting to talk to Gary personally, uh, getting questions answered. And so many folks, we've said this before, but it is so true. So many people remark on, even when they, they haven't spoken up themselves, they say, I just love listening in because other people people are asking the questions that I was going to ask and I hear the answers and I don't need to ask anything because you're you're really it's funny how that sense of oneness we're all in that sense truly sharing that one mind and and we all share the same kinds of questions so everybody has the opportunity to to chat with you but many folks well you know just wanted to say hello because the other folk the other people asked and and you got my question answered already so it's it's really terrific it's a great connection which is one wonderful thing and then there's great content as well so uh and, and we're going to be continuing this throughout the year. So even if folks can't make this one, you know, somewhere down the line, join us on one of these because I think everybody will really enjoy that. It's really a great opportunity. Both. I love it being able to chat with folks, but they get to talk with Gary here, uh, you know, one on one and with all of us together. So it's, it's a terrific opportunity. So as we say, it's just like well, being, it's like being in the room with you for a workshop, but you don't have to drive anywhere. But it is truly that sense of being right there with you and having these dialogues and discussions. So it's great stuff. Yeah, I really enjoy it, and uh, this month we're calling it uh, March Madness. Yes, Madness of the Ego will be it. And we can talk about that a little bit here, which I think will be good, because uh, that'll be a good way to kind of segue into uh, you know our discussion here, because obviously one of the things, and what we were saying when we thought about that topic, because March Madness and you know, and then the Madness of the Ego, the Ego is literally insane. And the Course has no shortage of references to this. I mean, it, it, it's almost comical where it just goes that the Ego is, is nuts. It's just like this psychotic being, even though it's not actually a being, but it actually Acts as if it is like an entity, and it it really is crazy because it it literally wants death for its own host, which is us, you know, and and it makes you do or makes you want to do all these crazy things before you eventually die, just so that it can bring you back to torture you again. So it's it's just an insane thought system, masquerading as some sort of universe of sanity, but it truly is not. It's actually madness. Yeah, I think the one of the things people uh, should remember is that they are not their ego. They just think they are. Yeah. You know, it's, and what has happened is that you know, we've come to confuse ourselves with the ego. Uh, you can think of the mind as, as having three parts. Uh, there's the part that is the part that decides, the, uh, the part that chooses which interpretation of the ego's dream it's going to listen to. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, it's like you could choose to listen to the Holy Spirit, or you could choose to listen to the ego. And as long as you are listening to the ego, for all intents and purposes, you will believe that you are the ego. It's almost like you've uh, fused with the ego and become one with the ego. So now you actually think that you are this body, that you are this identity, that you are all the stuff uh, that the ego has made up, which is all simply based on the idea of separation. And, uh, you know, you, you got that way on this massive metaphysical level when the one being that had the thought of individuality and separation chose the ego and, for all intents and purposes, fused with it and became one with it. And then uh, there was this massive projection where, because it's based on the idea of separation, now you seemingly have all these individuals who also think that that's who they are, and so uh, it's kind of like a massive projection, and you forget that you're the one who made the projection, and you actually think that you're in the projection. Mm -hmm. So you actually think that you're in the dream, and that the dream is what's real. So now, as the courts puts it, uh, you are no, no longer the dreamer, but the dream. Yeah. It's actually, uh, you think that that's what you are. And uh, it's really an interesting phenomenon. And, of course, the way out is to choose the Holy Spirit's interpretation of it instead of the ego's. Uh, when you start to do that, then you go in the right direction. And In fact, at one point, the Course says, uh, you are no longer wholly insane. <laughs> just partially. And I, remember, I remember when Arden Purse said that in Disappearance. I said, oh, great, you know, I'm no longer wholly insane. I'm going to put that on my resume. <laughs> Yeah, because I look really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not I, at least, but you know, what was it as as, uh, as Lucy said to Charlie Brown? You know, the very fact that you know you need help means you're not too far gone. <laughs> so I'm not completely insane. Isn't that good? I'm only partially nuts. <laughs> That's right. That's the best we can hope for. Yeah, but uh, now should I come a long way? Because uh, you know, I don't think you would have wanted to know me when I was in my twenties. So ah. Well, that, that was that was back in your in your musician days, right? As uh, but this is before you and I knew each other, but we were both musicians about the same time in the Northeast. Uh, but yeah, do you? Th I mean, other than just the wild and crazy music life, uh, are you? So you're saying you actually were were different, and perhaps not as a uh, lovable or level headed, or or what? Do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I was a musician, uh, as you know, for twenty years. In the first uh, ten years that I was. I was really depressed. I would say I was, uh, you know, clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was the problem, really. I didn't know it at the time. It's only in hindsight, you know, looking back on it and seeing what I felt like and what everything was like, that uh, I could really identify it as depression. But uh, so that was a very difficult time for me, especially when I was in my 20s and that's when my uh, parents passed away. And uh, it was just a very difficult time for me. But then I started to snap out of it because I found a thought system which is vital and for me at that time it was the S training mm -hmm. and uh, because I had a consistent thought system where I could interpret everything in the world in a consistent way within a year or two that really you know snapped me out of my depression and uh, that's when I learned you know how powerful your thoughts are because it's the thoughts that lead to your experience of life and most people have that backwards they think that the thoughts are a result of their experience. Right. And they don't realize that the thoughts are actually the cause of their experience. Yeah. And uh, so the, the next 10 years that I was a musician, it was much different. And I was successful and uh, I had a good time a lot of the time. 
And so it was really like two different lifetimes. Uh, you know, the first 10 years being a musician, very depressing. Uh, the last 10 years being a musician, uh, totally different and a lot of fun. And uh, I've also found with The Course in Miracles that you enjoy things more. And, uh, you know, even though you have, still have your challenges and you still have things that need to be forgiven, and, and that'll probably never stop uh, until the end, the truth is that uh, when you practice forgiveness the way that the Course teaches it, the quality of your life is better, and you actually end up enjoying things more. You may start to realize that what you're seeing is not true, and that it's just an illusion, and that's just a dream. But that doesn't stop you from enjoying it. As I've said before, when I go to the movies, I know that it's not true, what I'm seeing, but that doesn't stop me from enjoying it. Yeah. And I think that that's what uh, your life can be like, too. Yeah, you may know that it's not true, and that's you know, just a dream. But that's not going to stop you from uh, participating in it or having a good time. And uh, because you have less guilt in your mind, of course, when you practice forgiveness, yeah. then you're actually going to end up enjoying things more. So it really is kind of a win-win situation. And you know that... Because you get to where the quality of your life is better and you're enjoying things more. Then on top of that, because you're practicing forgiveness, you're actually waking up at the same time. So uh, it's like you're accomplishing a couple of different things at the same time. You get to have your life and enjoy your life, but you also get to wake up from it uh, simultaneously. It's kind of like I was going to say the analogy you made with the movie is, is appropriate too. Sometimes like a little child can go to a you know a thriller, scary action movie and and be really truly scared and it's not fun oh, yeah. it could be crying and screaming because they really don't realize it's not real so actually when one gets that's why it's better not to bring a small child to something like that but uh that's when we come to that realization that that applies to everything that we can see the unreality of it we actually can enjoy it more the same way you can enjoy a scary movie because you know it's just a movie so the same thing here when you don't take it all that seriously you know as our friend alan dolan always says seriousness causes reincarnation that you know it's taking oh. things too seriously which is the course's line that you know the tiny mad idea when the son of god remembered not to laugh when when you took it seriously that's where the problem came in you can see the illusion and you can even enjoy it as you say as long as you you know that's not your reality your real true reality is one of perfect spirit that's absolutely yeah. true it's like uh i like the analogy in the course of the jack-in-the-box you know when you're a child a jack-in-the-box might scare you mm -hmm. and uh we don't realize that the things that scare us in, as adults are really just children's toys that we've made real. And because we've made them real, that's why they're scary. You know, so, uh, for example, you know that I had an IRS agent come to my house yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And go through my office. And it's like... Uh, when they show up at your door, you have something you really have to deal with, you know. Right. Now, uh, you know, a few years ago, or before the course at least, I would... Uh, make that so real that it would be very scary. But, uh, you know, as this was happening, I was thinking of these things from the course. And uh, and so that IRS agent is like a jack-in-the-box that springs out at you. When you're a child, that's scary to you. But when you're an adult and you realize that everything you're seeing is not true, then it doesn't have to scare you. It's like you've given that thing permission to scare you. Uh, you've given this world permission to affect you. In fact, you gave the world its effects. And it's, of course, you just, well, if you gave the world its effects, then you can take that back. You don't have to give the world the power right. to affect you or to hurt you. At one point, the Course says about 
you know, this kind of forgiveness and peace. It says it denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you. And I think the, it's possible to get to that point where almost no matter what happens, you realize, hey, this is just a child's toy. This is just a jack-in-the-box that was made up to scare me. And I can reverse that. I can take away those effects. I can take away that power that it had uh, to hurt me and to affect me. can get to the point where it cannot affect me. And I think that's certainly one of the goals of the Course, uh, to get to the point where nothing in this world can scare you, nothing in this world can affect you. And certainly Jesus was like that at the end of his life. Uh, there wasn't anything in the world that could scare him or affect him, and I think that uh, that's something that we're all going to accomplish. And one of the favorite things that you have said that I just repeat to myself constantly was, you know, the universe isn't coming at you, it's coming from you. And, yeah. you know, that's exactly it. So you're, you're projecting this at a level you're not aware of. So a lot of folks ask, you know, what do you mean? You know, I don't want all this to happen. I certainly feel that way personally. But you, know, you realize it's not you personally, not you individually in the human form. That's not the one. But the, the higher level of your mind that does create this type of thing, that is projecting this. And as you align yourself with that, you become more aware of being the projector. So you, you are no longer the recipient of what's being projected. So it's not coming at you anymore. It's, you realize it's coming from you. And you can change the way you think about it, which is the, the bottom line. It's always changing your thoughts. That's right. Uh, I think that's why the Course says uh, that the thinking of the world must be reversed. It's like uh, you're actually reversing the way that you think about things and looking at it. Okay, well, I made that up, and it's nothing. You know, and so it's not like you made up some terrible thing. What you actually made up was nothing. Yeah. And, and at first, people, uh, you know, they they think of projection as. Uh, being some kind of a negative thing because they made up this terrible world. Well, the world can't be terrible if it's not real. Mm. Mm -hmm. The only way that it can be terrible would be if it were true. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of like a a difficult concept to grasp also. uh, Oh, you think that you made up all this murder and mayhem out there, when the truth is there isn't anything out there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not guilty because you didn't really do anything and you didn't really make anything, and that's part of the equation. And the universe seems so believable, obviously. It wouldn't work as an illusion unless it did. But I know that's one of the things that's hard to get past. There's, you know, there's billions of stars out there. There's distances and, and time scope and all sorts of stuff that I can't even comprehend. How could, you know, it, it's far too complex for me to have made it up. But I love the one line in the course where it says complexity of form does not imply complexity of content. You know, the form, which is the illusion, seems almost unimaginably complex. But the content is very simple. It's a dream. Yeah. It's an illusion. It's, it's, it's a falseness. It's not the real thing. Right. And the reason it seems so complex and that there are so many objects is because it's simply based on the idea of separation. Yeah. And that's, all, that's the only reason why we appear to have, you know, six and a half billion people out there. Because uh, it's all based on the idea of separation. And just like uh, everything in the universe divides and separates because that's what it's based on, that's what the mind appears to do, too. There's always just one mind. That's all there ever was. That's all there ever will be. And even the mind that made the universe uh, does not really exist. It just thinks it does. And uh, so then you have the mind appearing to divide and subdivide. So then you start off with two people, and all of a sudden it looks like you have six million people. You know, It might take 5,000 years for that to happen in the, uh, in the illusion. But, uh, you know, that's what the mind does. I like uh, I like Will Farrell's uh, impersonation of George W. Bush. He, George Bush says, uh, you know, when when the world was created five thousand years ago, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the 
Bible. <laughs> so yeah. I bet that struck me as pretty funny. But, um, yeah, it's all just based on separation, and the content uh, is all fear and all uh, separation. And uh, so that's not complicated. And yeah. really, uh, that's why there's one answer that's required, and that's that thought reversal of forgiveness, which leads you back to spirit. Now you're going in the direction of spirit instead of the uh, idea of being a body and an individual. And uh, it's a great experience, it really is. Let me. Uh, I just want to ask one thing here because uh, this is a this is a question that I, I wasn't planning on doing today, but we just talked about it and it happened to be here. So let me ask you this because our friend Larry had written in a little while ago, uh, and it was you were just talking about that how forgiveness it, you know is always the answer, and and no matter what it is, it boils down to that. His question had to do with when when does peace actually come? He had said for the last four years he's been working on forgiving the dream. Uh, it seems to me that I get more forgiveness lessons than ever before, so I keep forgiving the dream, but. When when does the happy dream start? So yeah, that was Larry's question, but that kind of is what we were just talking about. That it, it was, uh, you know, when when do you see the shift? When do you start to see that? And, and what is it perhaps you should be looking for, or maybe not looking for? Well, that's not the same with everybody. It varies from person to person. And as we said before, the truth is simple, but the ego is not. <laughs> the ego is complicated, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why the course says that the curriculum is highly individualized because. Even though the truth is the same for everybody, and the course is very clear about that, uh, you know the curriculum is highly individualized because egos uh, can be complicated. And uh, you know, I want to discourage anybody, but I think it took me uh, ten years before I really felt, you know, like uh, I was winning. Like uh, I was getting to the point where, you know, if I'm upset, it's only because of my decision to be upset, and I can, you know, choose again. I can. Uh, Stop this! You know, I can if I start to feel uh, anxiety or if I start to feel upset a little bit, I have the ability to stop that. And once you realize that, you start doing it quicker and quicker. Uh, when the course says that anger is never justified, what it's saying is, you know, it's not saying you're not going to get angry. What it's saying is, is that the sooner you realize that, the quicker you're going to get over it, and the less you're going to suffer which is why I tell people that the best way to measure your progress with the course, you know, just ask yourself, not whether or not you get upset, ask yourself, how long do I stay that way? Yeah. You know, and if the amount of time that you spend upset is getting less and less, and the amount of time that you spend being peaceful is getting more and more, then that is the happy dream. That is when the happy dream is starting to take over. And you're switching from the unhappy dream to having a happy dream. Now, and just let me say something quick about that idea where you it seems like you keep getting more and more things to forgive. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people say that. It's almost like a universal experience yeah. with the Course. Uh, it's not that you're getting more and more things to forgive. It's that you're noticing it more. Ah. Because before you do the Course, you have just as many things to forgive. You know, you can't say that people who don't do the Course aren't upset and that they don't have things to forgive. The difference is, is that they're not forgiving them, and they're not even noticing them in that context. It's like they're just reacting to them. And now, here you are, instead of just reacting to them, you're using them as forgiveness opportunities. When you do that, then you start to notice them a lot more, so it seems like you're getting more and more things to forgive, when the truth is you always had just as many things to forgive. Mm. You just didn't think of it that way. You didn't yeah. think of it in that context. So it's really just a different way of looking at it. Yeah, that's interesting. And also the fact that it's not like flipping a switch. 
you know, like enlightenment. It's, well, maybe enlightenment, true enlightenment ultimately maybe is. But for, in terms of the happy dream, it's not like suddenly, you know, I've been miserable. I've been miserable. Bam. Oh, everything is beautiful. It doesn't happen like in a flash like that. It's a it's a slower, gradual process. But as you just said, it, you increasingly become less concerned with the seeming problems and you you become more aware of of the beauty and the the truth of what's going on and that kind of happens as a uh as two things overlapping each other the, the the one thing becomes less while the other becomes more and as you said perhaps there's a an awareness that grows in you so you see what seem to be more issues but you may find simultaneously they're not bothering you as much you know, it, like I didn't think about it before. I was just miserable all the time. That was probably the result of of a hundred forgiveness opportunities that were unrecognized. You know, crappy situations that happen to you every day. Now you see all hundred of them. You go, oh, where did these all come from? But you find, you know, gee, ninety of them. I just, you know, I just let them go. I turn it over to the Holy Spirit immediately, and the other ten I get to fairly quickly. So it's not bothering me as much. And that curve continues to move in the right direction. Until you ultimately, the real happy dream is when actually none of those things, you may still see them, but they just really don't bother you anymore. Would that be pretty accurate? I think so. Uh, so it's not the course students uh, have more things to forgive. Uh, they always did. It's just that they notice them a lot more because now it's becoming part of their thought system to notice this. And when you forgive something, then you, you notice, oh, gee, now I have something else to forgive. Right. And uh, so it seems different when the truth is, uh, it was always that way. It's just that now you know what it's for. Yeah. You know, before, you didn't even know what it's for, which and, is why the Course asked us that uh, you know, several times. It says, what is it for? Yeah. And what it's for is forgiveness, and once you recognize that, then everything changes. And so, you, almost, uh, you should almost kind of welcome the forgiveness opportunities, because each one is another chance to peel back another layer of the onion, you know, to get another piece of the garbage out of the way. So you almost want them to come to you. When, when you get to the point that there aren't any more, you're going to be done with all this, which, of course, we'd all like to get to that point. But in the meantime, the more you have, the, the each one is a stepping stone taking you to where you want to go. So they're there for a reason when you see it with the Holy Spirit's purpose in mind. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah. so buddy, i got to run because there's uh, somebody here to pick us up to take us to the church to do a sound check. Okay, are you going by buckboard or, or are you just going to ride bareback? <laughs> uh, yeah, we got the horses waiting outside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be uh, riding off into the sunset here. So, so you're but, saying they're uh, going to lasso you and bring you down for a sound check? Yeah, right. All these Texas uh, metaphors. Now that, we're, now that we're doing music, we have to make sure the sound's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, so you're bringing your new uh, Fender guitar. That's right. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'll be cool. Yeah, it's very complicated. I used to just need one microphone. Now we need three. So. Oh, always something. Yeah, it's always something. Just out of forgiveness opportunities. As we say, Jaffo at the Yahoo group. That's right, which is, as so people know, it can be spelled either J-A-F-O, which is just another forgiveness opportunity. And if it's really bad, we spell it with two Fs. And you can you can figure <laughs> out what the second one is for on your own there, folks. Uh, well, that's great, Garrett. That's wonderful. Um, and I'm going to come back in a moment here and give everybody all the contact information. But for now, you right. en you enjoy yourself right. in Texas. Is there good Texas food in that zone? Do you have like a lot of, I you know, I always think of Texas, you're going to have a lot of barbecue and Brandon Irons. And, you know, is it that kind of stuff in the, in the Austin area, too? Yeah, they have great food here, and they have a great beer called uh, Shiner Block. Shiner Block? Uh, Shiner Block, which is brewed in Block, Texas. Ah. No, I think actually Shiner. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it's Bach beer brewed in really Shiner. good. Yeah. And uh, they have that at all their barbecues here, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, but I'll wait till after the workshop before I have any. No, that's a good idea. But it'll be it'll give you a goal. 
Yeah, give me a discipline. Well, listen. Give our give our love to Cindy, and uh, most uh, pretty much everybody who listens to these shows knows your your lovely wife, Cindy. Next time we we do have a question about uh, relationships. Interestingly enough, so we'll get to that in our next podcast episode. So you can look forward to that one, and you'll be talking a little bit about you and Cindy. I'll discuss a little bit about Helen and I, and of course, knowing yeah. that our spouses uh, do listen to these podcasts, of course, we have to be careful what we say. But uh, you know, no, it's, uh, we only speak the truth, and we only need to. Yeah, actually, uh, Cindy's been listening because she's on the computer here. Ah. I look at her. She's looking good, as usual. Well, I, I imagine so. Tell her we said hello. In fact, if she if she were to shout hello, I think we could hear her on the phone. Let's see if I can hear her do that. Cindy, why don't you shout hello? Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> I thought you started to sing. <laughs> I was about to say she's musical no matter what she says, but I didn't realize it was actually a song she was doing. <laughs> Hi, Cindy. Well, good to have you on board there. That's very nice. All right, buddy. Yeah. Okay, ha- so I'll talk to you soon. Have a great time there in Austin, Texas, and we'll we'll be talking to you soon, cowboy. Okay, love to you and Helen. You too. Back to you guys, and we'll see you soon, bro. Thanks. Bye. To bring everybody up to date, when we recorded that conversation with Gary, uh, we actually anticipated that the podcast would be released shortly before our conference call on March 9th. It turns out things took a little longer, and I'm now recording this after we've already had our conference call. I'm sorry. I've been a little busy. But the the conference call itself went wonderfully. It was absolutely a terrific time. Gary was definitely at the top of his game. We had wonderful discussions. Questions for Gary abounded. The conference calls, of course, is almost like a live podcast with all of the people on the call with us. You actually get to talk to Gary and me and uh, discuss things, talk to Gary about whatever's on your mind, ask him questions. He had wonderful responses and answers for everybody. So we had a, a, just a terrific time, gotten great, great feedback from everybody afterwards, just saying how much they really enjoyed it. The conference calls are terrific. If you haven't joined one of them yet with us, I really encourage you to do so. You'll you'll love being, it's like being in the room with Gary, except you don't have to drive anywhere, which actually makes things nice. Uh, what I can tell you now, the good news now is that we have our next one scheduled so I can let you know when that date will be. Our next conference call with Gary and I will be on Tuesday, April 6th of 2010. Um, And if you want to find out about that, there will be notices given to everybody who's on Gary's newsletter list. If you're not on that, you can do so by going to his website. I'll give you that in just a moment. But you can also find out through my Forgiveness.tv on course newsletter email list because we update everybody periodically. You could also just uh, email me anytime you want and I can let you know. But right now, you know you've been given notice. It'll be on April 6th, our next conference call. So please check that out and we can keep you up to date with that. As we said, if you'd like to get on Gary's news list and find out what's going on with him in terms of everything he's involved with, his books, the new book, as well as all of his appearances and everything else going on, you can sign up for his email newsletter at his website. It's the one he named himself, GaryRenard.com. It's pretty easy to find. And at Forgiveness.tv, which is, of course, the home of our podcasts, you can sign up for our Forgiveness On Course newsletter as well, our email list there. If you go to the homepage right at Forgiveness.tv, there'll be a place near the bottom. Currently, it will send me an email, and I'll put you on the list. And in a short while, that will happen automatically. You can just sign up for the list. But either way, you'll be on the list, and you'll find out about all the activities we're doing in terms of upcoming podcasts, um, upcoming conference calls, and you get details about the new On Course Internet Group. And I mentioned that a little bit uh, in a previous show. 
Uh, we started this on January 1st. It's called Encores with Gene Bogart, and it's going just wonderfully. Uh, we're focusing on a very dedicated study of A Course in Miracles with a particular emphasis on the workbook. And we're doing each daily lesson. I'm doing these as recordings. They're coming out really well. I've gotten wonderful feedback from people, which I so much appreciate, that the lessons recorded this way are really reaching people and kind of giving them a, a deeper understanding. It sort of makes the lesson come alive in some ways. And if you're a member of the group, you uh, receive in an email every day a link to that recording of the lesson as well as the text itself. And some other members of the group are making wonderful uh, contributions in terms of comments, helping to expand on the meaning of the lessons and, and how it affects us in our daily lives, how to apply them. So it's a great way to uh, further your study of A Course in Miracles. You can check that out at oncourse.genebogart.com. And I can also tell you more if you uh, email me or get on that email list. And the Gary Renard Podcast is a production of Enlighten Up Creations and released by Forgiveness.tv. All verbal content of our programs is copyright 2010, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved. All grievances forgiven. I've already given you the links to Gary's website and to Forgiveness.tv. Uh, I have my website, genebogart.com, but, you know, you really won't find anything else there that you won't find out at Forgiveness.tv. I need a way to combine them under the same umbrella, some way that, that just one-stop, one-stop shopping. You can just go to blankityblank.com or .tv, and you find out everything about everything. Currently, they kind of link back and forth. If you have any suggestions, let me know. I know that many of you out there are far more computer savvy than I am. So I'm always looking forward to hearing that. And any other comments you may have about the podcast or whatever, uh, you can always email me right at that link there at forgiveness.tv. I really do love hearing from everybody, and I appreciate it so much. So until our next episode, I just want to thank you once again for listening to the Gary Renard Podcast. And until we meet again on the next show... Keep in mind, and someone just asked me about this recently. They said, Gene, is forgiveness really always the answer? So I can say with absolute certainty, and I do mean this with total, total sincerity, that no matter what the circumstance, situation, or question, forgiveness is always the answer. And we're still on the line. You still there? You still there? Did you hang up on me? Whoop. I think he hung up. My my lonesome cowboy. He looks like he hit the range. <laughs> <laughs> it's you! <laughs>